and she says, I missed you. It's time to be real. Be real. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Spooktober. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I feel like we've considered doing this movie many times. Mm -hmm. And like we've gotten a couple of requests for it as well. Yeah. So it's worked out incredibly for us that it is an independent movie. It is A24. Yes. We're doing a modern movie this Mm -hmm. week. So very exciting, something that's like fresh, still in the zeitgeist. Yeah, this uh, came out just one year ago. Crazy. Crazy. Would you like to tell the people? I'll tell the people. We are doing 2022's new horror classic, mm. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. This one we actually watched together for the first time yeah. last Halloween, and I got to say, I went in with like pretty low expectations. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually really did. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was very clever. It felt like the way that they portrayed, I don't know, I guess they're what, early 20s? Yeah, Gen Z, for sure. Right. It felt very natural, which is hard to do because yes. I feel like people just be writing shit that is very, <laughs> very much put on. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can't even focus right now because this isn't realistic. Um, but it, yeah, it did that really well. And it's always interesting to see like your contemporaries on film. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was shocking, but it, it was... <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was really cleverly done. I was going to say the trailer for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was really mm-hmm. bad. Like I was just like, I don't even know what this is. And you're not even giving me like a, a vibe check. It was very much just like music, flash, flash, yeah. bodies, bodies, bodies. Pete Davidson, he's here. Exactly. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. here. He's in the He's in the movie. Um, and also because, um, what's her name? Maria Bakalova. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maria Bakalova had just been in the Borat movie. Yeah. So I feel like she was also having a moment. And I really wanted to see her in something else because that was her first movie. So I was like, you know, no matter what, I really want to see the film to see how she does. And she's amazing in it. So. Yeah. I did read that she was initially like hesitant to do the movie because she doesn't like horror movies. They are scary for her. But she was like, she's like, well, it's like A24. I think it'll have some depth to it. And also it's more like an R-rated comedy, you know? Right. Yeah. It definitely, it feels, I mean, we'll talk about this throughout, but it definitely feels like this generation's answer to Scream, you know? Like the way that Scream was very emblematic of, uh, Gen X and Mm -hmm. uh, it was a satirical horror film. This kind of does the same thing, but for Gen Z, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And before we get too far into it, I know why you're really here. We know why you tune in every single week. (laughs) At this point, we're not even a movie podcast. We're a finance podcast. Mm -hmm. So the numbers, baby. (laughs) This movie had a $3 million budget it made about $14 million in the box office. And I know what you might be thinking. You're like, hmm, hmm. that's a pretty low number. <laughs> well, 
the average per venue budget or not budget. Oh my gosh. The average per venue box office was about 38,000. But it was the second best movie for 2022 for a limited release. The first being everything everywhere all at once, which made about 50,000 per venue. So because of the limited release, like Mm -hmm. it does definitely change the numbers a lot, but in terms of return, it's like a great return. So yeah, more than quadruple. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's the Rachel Senate effect, but I know like a very similar thing <laughs> happened with Bottoms, which also had a limited release, but did oh, really? incredibly yeah. well everywhere it you know, was showing. So now to use your your phrase, I feel like we really have to give Rachel Senate her flowers. Yes. Um yes. because she she is a really talented actress and also has a very just specific like I think her and Io Edabiri both have very specific um deliveries and the way that they make their characters their own Mm -hmm. it is something that like if you cast Rachel Sennett you're going to get like her version of the character yeah and I feel like sometimes other actors it can be so like you know person to person and it's like yeah these are interchangeable but her brand of comedy is is very specific and I've seen it like run through all of her characters in different ways Mm -hmm. and we also went to college with her. That we did, yeah. <laughs> a, a very when I say contemporaries, I mean we saw in on the silver screen what our lives could have been. Yeah, yeah. By that I mean she was literally sitting in front of me at graduation. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, word. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And we, all, I mean, like we also went to we had mutual friends and mm-hmm. went out at the same parties and stuff. I also went to high school with her. We went to the same art school. We weren't like close or anything, but it is crazy to see all the way from, you know, being, I don't know, how old was I in high school? Like 14? Yeah. All the way to now and being like, wow, that's so crazy. Um, But good for her. She's having an incredible career moment right now. Um, And like well-deserved. She's incredibly talented and clearly, you know, Mm -hmm. very hardworking. So all the flowers to Rachel. Absolutely. She really started off doing stand-up. Yeah. So to make a foray into doing, like, film and television, I mean, kudos to her because I don't think a lot of people are able to do that. hmm Definitely. Yeah, and I like how this cast has kind of a little mix of, you know, people who are up-and-comers. We also have, like – it made me think of Scream as well because – um Scream obviously had like Drew Barrymore as yeah. like the face of it, like the most famous person in the movie, killed mm-hmm. off first. Right. And uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. Pete Davidson is our Drew Barrymore, killed off so first. True. <laughs> so true. Well, let's let's get into some fun facts. So, uh, this movie was shot in a huge mansion in upstate New York, and it also like takes place almost exclusively in the dark. And the main source of lighting is the cell phones. Uh, There's a headlamp. There's some, like, glow tubes. So the cast actually had to work really closely with the cinematographer to learn how to, like, light themselves in a scene. Because, like, if they miss a mark or they're not holding the phone in the right way, like, you can't fucking see anything. The movie was so dark. And that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I really like the cinematography like I I think it's so it makes you really drawn into what is happening I'd love to see it in a theater Mm -hmm. to get the full effect but yeah it makes you so concentrated 
Um, and then also makes things very ambiguous. So you're constantly left guessing. Mm-hmm. And also like the way that even phone screens look in this movie, they look, you know, like they look in real life. And there, I've seen so many instances of like just horribly <laughs> like CGI'd, photoshopped phone screens in movies that right. like it was all very well done here. Like you can even see like glare or reflection at some point. So mm-hmm. props to them. Absolutely. There was also an interview with the director who said the source of light for each character um, really symbolizes their personality. So B has her phone strapped to her hip, showing her selflessness for helping her mother and others. Um, Jordan uses a headlamp, you know, just her no-nonsense, like, confrontational attitude. Alice has all the glow tubes, <laughs> and it's very, like, playful and shows her as the center of attention and her desire to be liked. Um, and Emma never uses a light showing her desire to be introverted. And then Greg and David are also never shown to use any light. Um, and that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about B having her phone strapped. I thought that was like a really old lady move. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know how people who are more mature will have like their phone strapped to their hip or something. But yeah. like, like I feel like as like a young woman, I'm like carelessly like throwing my phone in my purse at all times. <laughs> right. But she's like, oh, I need to be a lifeline for my mom if she needs mm-hmm. anything. So it also struck me as just like very European because I know in, oh in Paris <laughs> specifically, you have to use a phone leash because people are snatching your phones up. Y'all. Pickpockets everywhere. <laughs> if I can tell you one thing about traveling to Europe, it's like, don't put shit in your pockets. Bring a zippered bag. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I bought a purse in Paris the last time I was there and they told me at the store like, do not wear it here. Like simply yeah. don't wear it here because it didn't have any closure. It was an open like little mm. pocketbook. And they were just like, yeah, just wait until you get home. Or if you're going to another country, like I just wouldn't use it here. You're going to get your stuff stolen. And I was like, wow. word. Yeah. So if anyone has any grand travel plans to France amid this lovely bed bug crisis, uh, oh, also get also rare. get a phone leash on top of that. I saw that on – it was like complex or something and someone commented, if you went to Paris for fashion week, don't ever call me again. <laughs> I saw I saw a TikTok the other day of somebody being like, oh my gosh, today is the last day of Paris fashion week, which means it's my last day to go thrifting in New York before they all come back and bring all the bed bugs to all the thrift stores. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm going to lay low for a minute. I've never mm. – knock on freaking yeah. wood. I've never gotten bed bugs in New York. Yeah, same. I also had a bed bug protector on my mattress. Me too. Mm-hmm. So that helps too. Uh, this is a PSA. Honestly, though, we, you're here the, for the numbers and you're here for the bed bug, uh, the bed bug safety bug. tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so true because if you're like dating, if someone's in your bed, like you don't know where they're Like been. you don't know. Like it's simply a dangerous world. Yeah. You know? Stay safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And our last little fun fact before we fly too far off the rails is that there's actually a bit of back and forth with the screenplay for this movie. Initially, it was initially uh, a spec script was written by Kristen Rupenian. And then in 2019, it was announced that Chloe Okuno would rewrite the script and direct the film. And then 
like casting was changing and then Helena Rain was set to direct. But then ultimately um Rupanian was given like a story by credit for her work mm-hmm. and playwright Sarah Delap, who wrote this very, very popular play, The Wolves, uh, ended up receiving the final like screenplay by credit. Pretty cool. I personally actually have only heard about The Wolves by like hearsay. I haven't read the play, but Mm -hmm. from what I understand, it's a really um, like gut-wrenching and also revolves around teen Mm -hmm. uh, women uh, and this like traumatic thing that happens. So recommend reading it if that's your vibe. Yeah. It was actually workshopped at NYU while we were there at um, No way. Yeah. Oh, did you not know that? Yeah, yeah. It no. was uh, it was at Playwrights. That's where they did like the first initial workshop of it oh, in like twenty fifteen, wow. I'm pretty sure. And then it went off Broadway in twenty sixteen, I think. The way playwrights love to come to NYU and be like, I'm trying something. Mm-hmm. Then they bring it to Broadway. And like anyone who was involved in the initial collaboration process gets mm-hmm. no credit whatsoever. Well, I think actually a lot of the cast members did end up being in the off-Broadway production. Like I know oh, Susanna, Susanna Perkins was in both. Okay, That's cool. the only person that I know for sure. But mm-hmm. um, I think Midori Francis was also in the off-Broadway I can't remember. Gotcha. But yeah, so I do think that some people from playwrights did end up, you know, <laughs> making it to <laughs> to Very the nice. actual production. But yeah, playwrights do love uh, going to colleges and taking advantage of some free labor and then not crediting oh, yeah. any of those people. Um, mm-hmm. That's happened more than once. But anyways. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> Well, before we get into it, we just want to let you know that, oh my gosh, our Patreon episode comes out today. Yes. Our Spooktober episode has been chosen. It was a very tight race. The winner mm-hmm. was changing every day, and ultimately it came down to two votes, and you guys picked Coraline. Uh, love that movie. So excited for you to listen in. And we're actually recording it on the same day that we're recording this episode. So, ooh, spooky! <laughs> so scared. I'm Someone so scared. stop! I'm so tired. Stop! I'm so scared. Tired. What's the What's that Tyra quote? Who else was scared? Yeah, me too. I was really scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! But if you want to check that out, head over to our Patreon. It's Movies That Raised Us. We have it in the show notes and also in our link in our bio in every mm-hmm. social media platform. You get a bonus episode picked and voted for by the patrons and a ton of other cool perks. So check it out. Yes. And without further ado, should we dive right into the pool in the giant mansion's <laughs> backyard. Let's do it. <laughs> so the opening of this movie is a super close-up of Sophie and B, played by Amanda Steinberg and Maria Bakalova, respectively, making out in the woods. And then they lay in the grass together, and Sophie tells B that she loves her. Mm. And then there's like a pause and she's like, you don't have to say it back. Like, I just wanted to tell you. Yeah. She doesn't end up responding, but she, she's like, yeah, I love you, which I thought was very accurate. 
Yeah, there's also like the briefest of moments where we see Sophie's face fall when B doesn't say anything. And then she's right. like, you don't have to respond. It's fine. I just wanted mm-hmm. to just wanted to say it. Interesting dynamic we're setting up. So yes. we go into Sophie's car and Sophie is driving them through the woods and she tells B that her friends aren't as nihilistic as they look on the internet. That's just what they want people to think, as you know, B is looking through their their photos. Sophie tells her that David was her childhood friend. He was actually mm-hmm. her boyfriend in preschool before she realized she was gay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. B says they all look so impressive, but Sophie tells B she's impressive. And, you know, Jordan's going to be obsessed with her. What could that mean? Oh, my gosh. Sophie then notices that, like, B is getting a ton of, like, text messages and asks who it is. And B says it's her mom. Sophie tells B not to be nervous. This is going to be fun. So they pull up to the mansion and Sophie's car window keeps like getting stuck and acting up. So she has to fully open the door to go and put the gate, like the gate code in and they head up the long driveway. You may be thinking, why are you telling me this? This is so unimportant. It comes back later. Okay. Keep it in your back pocket for later. (laughs) We've been podcasting for a minute. Mm -hmm. So if you think that we're giving you information that you don't actually need, yeah. We do that sometimes. Yeah. This isn't one of those times. Mm -hmm. This is Chekhov's car window, okay? Right. It's coming back. Right. (laughs) There are so many Chekhov's guns in this movie. (laughs) Chekhov's got the whole damn house in this one. So uh, they drive up this long, long driveway to, I cannot stress enough just how gigantic this mansion is. Oh my goodness. It's gorgeous. So they get out of the car. They start heading up to the house when B is like, oh, I forgot something. I'll catch up with you later. So Sophie goes into the house and B gets like a small little package from the backseat of the car. And then she pulls down the little – what is that even called? Like the little mirror? The visor. Yes. She pulls down the visor. She like checks her reflection in the mirror, fixes her eyebrows, kind of practices her smile – She's clearly been, like, a little bit psyched out by looking at pictures of all of Sophie's friends who, mm-hmm. as we can infer, are very beautiful and also very wealthy. Of course. So she then does not flip that visor back up. Chekhov's visor. Keep it in your back yeah. pocket for later, okay? <laughs> and she heads into the house. Yes. And we go to the pool area where Emma, David, Jordan, Alice, and Greg are all underwater. They're having a contest to see who can hold their breath the longest. But it also looks kind of like they're just on drugs and they're having some sort of like thing. like Group underwater experience. (laughs) Right. Alice notices Sophie at the surface of the water and she emerges and she's like, ah! And everyone is shocked to see her there. Emma and David do not seem happy. Yikes. Very awkward moment. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, inside, B looks around the gigantic house and in the foyer, foyer, there's this big table with just like tons of flashlights and batteries and everything. Um, and just that alone, I was like, okay, like you guys are just like, oh, we're having like a little fucking party. Like let's spend like hundreds of dollars on like <laughs> nonsense. Oh, these people are so out of touch. So we go back (laughs) to the pool 
And Alice tells Sophie she can't believe she's here. Last time she saw her, she was coked out on the subway and peeing on the floor. I thought you were an NYU student. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> it's oh funny because she was an NYU student. Literally. <laughs> both of them. Did both of them go to NYU? Amanda? I don't think so. Okay. But I was like, that's also very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I've seen something like that Pete in my on the day. Floor, like an NYU student. Oh I don't think God. I've seen. I don't think I've seen like a friend of ours pee on the floor, but I have seen many of our friends throw up on the subway floor. I. I don't know if I was there for that. Maybe cut that out of the. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just. I'll. I'll beep it out, and people can imagine what you just said. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so. Sophie laughs at this and she's like, yeah, that's why I don't drink Henny anymore. Ha ha ha. Alice then is like, seriously, like, how are you? And Sophie says, I'm good. I'm actually really good. She's like, that's great. I'm so glad. Then Sophie tells Alice, by the way, I've been loving your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And Alice is like, oh, my God, fan of the pod over here. The, The podcast narrative in this one. It's crazy. It's (laughs) like, it does make me like, it does take my breath away at moments. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) like, it is a lot of work. Okay. (laughs) So B then finally makes her way over to the pool. She meets everybody. David and Emma get out of the pool and just walk like right past Sophie. Obviously not thrilled that she's here. Mm -hmm. Jordan then gets out of the pool and just goes, real nice of you to make it, Soph. And Sophie's like, ouch what was that supposed to mean and jordan says well we had no clue you were coming at all let alone an hour before the storm is supposed to start and sophie says she texted the group chat and jordan's like no you didn't and she's like okay whatever like you guys know i'm a bad texter we meant to come up yesterday but b got scheduled to work at game hunt and alice comes up and asks why they're being so weird like are they talking about her are you guys talking about me? <laughs> this just like encapsulates the whole movie. This one line. Yes. yes. <laughs> and David sees that she has a bottle of champagne and he's like, you're not supposed to touch my parents' champagne. But Alice is like, I want to celebrate like Sophie's here. And the fact that she gets this, he's like, you're not supposed to touch that, but continues to like let them. Yeah. Is like very indicative. He's so serious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. B then gives David her gift. It is she's she's like it's zucchini and bread, it's zucchini bread. <laughs> and David's just like a total dick about it. Yeah. And he's like, oh great, thanks. Like that's a nice yeah. Like you're going to someone's house, you bring them something. Very kind of her, anyways. Yeah. And zucchini bread is delicious. Okay, it is. It's yeah. very tasty. It's mm-hmm. a nice you know summer into fall transition treat. Yeah, throw a little chocolate chips on top. You're golden. Ooh, yeah, nailed it. Greg then emerges from inside with a sword. Okay, <laughs> and he sabers the champagne. It is very eye catching. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, oh my god. did god. you see that?" Like Alice is loving it. Right. We also need to mention, like, Greg is played by Lee Pace, who's fully like in his forties. Right. Right. And there's so much more, but yes. So yes. he is like. <laughs> significantly older than the rest of them um but david is just so jealous like he's like i could do that like what give me my dad's sword back and 
they Give me pass daddy's around the champ- sword back. I know. Um, that's my daddy's sword. <laughs> um, but everyone gets passed a glass of champagne and Sophie declines because she's sober. And B also turns down the champagne. Um, I think it's probably just because like she's in solidarity with Sophie yeah. or she's nervous or something, but yeah, then they and all their, their reaction, they're like, wow, congrats. Good for you. And it's like, ooh, yikes. Yeah. So they all toast to the hurricane party and the rain just immediately starts ruining this incredibly expensive champagne, first of all. Mm -hmm. And it's like goes from zero to 100. It's a torrential downpour. Then Sophie asks Jordan where Max is. And Jordan says, oh, he's just taking a break. Like, he'll be back. Intriguing. Yeah, what the hell? What do you mean he's taking a break? Like, are you people that insufferable? (laughs) Yeah, it's such a cryptic response. Um, Also, a fun fact that I did read, when Lee Pace was practicing, you know, sabering the champagne bottle. Sure, yeah. He used um, a a prop sword from when he was in The Hobbit. So... (laughs) Any Lord of the Rings fans out there, there you go. That's an exciting treat for you guys. Yeah. (laughs) So we go inside the house. We're in what I assume is going to be Sophie and B's room for the night. B Mm -hmm. and Sophie are making out once again. Things are getting hot and heavy when David comes into the room and asks to talk to Sophie in private. So they go out into the hallway and David tells Sophie that B is really cute in like a school shooter kind of way. Um, which is a crazy sentence. And he also then like makes fun of her accent and the zucchini bread. And it's just like, all right, you're a dick. You're an asshole. It's so sad because it's just like when Sophie's like, oh my God, you're going to, they're like totally cool. Nothing to worry about. They Liar. are not cool. Yeah. They're Why would not you set her good. up like that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It made me think of like how in Crazy Rich Asians, Nick doesn't warn Rachel about what she's walking into. Right. He's a nicer guy, though. Yeah. But that's that is crazy. Well, we find out later. I don't think this is a spoiler, but just that they've only been dating six weeks. Yes. Right. So we've already seen Sophie tell her I love you and then be like, you're going to come to this party of friends who I haven't seen in ages. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what you're coming into. And and the fact that I have been like weird towards these people. And we also like can assume that she. Uh, is a recent like she's in her recovery period is very recent right. that she's probably like very soon out of rehab and I know mm-hmm. for like a lot of people who are in AA they advise you not to date anyone in the first year right because it can be really easy to replace one addiction with another and then other one being like a new relationship it's also just a lot of pressure to put on a new relationship while you're in recovery so there's a lot of dynamics here yeah, and also as 20-somethings, it's very indicative of lack of um, empathy or, like, mm-hmm. acknowledgement of other people's experiences. Yeah. And really, like, that self-centered, narcissistic focus where it's like, oh, well, I want, like, my new partner to come here with me because it'll be, like, impressive or it'll mm-hmm. be, like, really good to, for me to have him here. But it's actually, like, maybe you should have just left them mm-hmm. at home yeah yes so anyways 
B is looking around at David's family photos when Jordan comes up and B says the house is beautiful and Jordan says Sophie's family's house is even bigger. And then just gets like very close to B. Like yeah. it's really uncomfortable, like a, a close enough that it would be uncomfortable for like two close friends to even be yeah. that close. And tells her to be careful with Sophie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So we then go into David's dad's office. Uh, David and Sophie sit there while David is trying to like downplay how hot Greg is. He's like, yeah, but he's like old. He's what like moms think moms think are hot. I'm like, <laughs> let's let's not lie, David. Okay. Lee Pace is a beautiful man. He's hot, <laughs> so, yeah. Sophie then points out that Alice got to bring somebody without telling anyone. And David is like, oh, so you do read the chat. Hmm. Sophie says, that doesn't matter. They're all here together. They should just live in the moment. And David is like, wow, so now you went to rehab and suddenly you're all like, ooh, let's live in the moment. Sophie then asks if David has a problem with Greg. And David like chokes on his vape and he's like, it's a new pod. Like I'm still getting used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so real. That is so real. He's... He can't be under 30 in this movie. I don't know how old he is, but he is, like, significantly older than the rest of the cast. Greg or David? David. He's supposed to be the same age. Like, him and Sophie are supposed to be the same age. Well, yeah. But in real life. In real life, Pete Davidson is probably 30 or almost 30. He's only, like, a couple years older than us, I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Let's see. Please hold for investigation. 1993. So, yeah, three years older than us. There we go. That's crazy. Yeah, he chokes on his vape and says that <laughs> he, Alice met Greg on Tinder. You know, apparently he was in the army in Afghanistan or something. And <laughs> Sophie says, that's hot. And David is clearly threatened by Greg. And he's like, he's not attractive. You know, I'm more attractive than him. Sophie asks, bold claim. And Sophie asks what he brings to the table. And David says, You know, I just, I look like I fuck, you know? And (laughs) I got to give it to him. That's true. Pete Davidson does look like he can, like he fucks. And he does, clearly. Yes. Um, But he does then give in and he's like, Yeah, Greg is really handsome, whatever. Sophie then asks, What's up with David's massive black eye that he has going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, last night Max just, like, ran up to me and punched me in the eye. Doesn't say why. Yeah. Which is interesting. He's like, but it looks kind of hot, right? Like, if you saw me, you think that this looks hot. And Sophie just <laughs> he's changes so the insecure. subject. so insecure. I know. So insecure. Mm-hmm. But Sophie just changes the subject and asks if David has gotten a chance to talk to her parents at all. Again, intriguing. What's going on here? Right. David is then like, Sophie, what the fuck are you doing here? And she says, I missed you. But David says, that's a lie. Nobody has ever missed him. And they both start <laughs> laughing. <laughs> that's fun. So B goes downstairs and sees Greg meditating in the dining room and decides to make her way to the kitchen where the other girls are watching the weather report. And B asks for the Wi-Fi password. And Jordan's like, oh, I can transfer it to you. What's your email? And she's like, what? And I don't know if it's like um, just because English isn't her first language or Mm -hmm. if she's like 
doesn't know about transferring the password or whatever. But it's it's just like a weird moment because then Jordan says again, like, what's your email? And it's super rude. Yeah. So B then goes to call her mom and tells her that her service went out for a little, but she's on Wi-Fi now. So she's here for her. And then we cut over to the kitchen. We get like a little montage of sorts like everyone is doing this tiktok dance to board in the house in their like robes and their hair in a towel and they're just like ah, ha, 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 he, he, he. yeah like this movie does so much right about like really capturing yeah the gen z voice and using the slang and all of that but using board in the house i think is such a faux pas because at the point when this movie was made right that song has been like done and dusted for a year and a half (laughs) i guess i just thought it was good because if even if it wasn't accurate to that time i guess they could have chosen a more recent song but it is a song that everyone would know was from tiktok that's true Um, and it also is hard because obviously like tiktok moves so quickly and trends rise and die so fast but Mm -hmm. i'm like bored in the house is a firmly 2020 moment yeah, we're in because you're bored in the house. You're, you're in, in the, the house, house board. board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see B downing a chocolate cake, like really ingesting that. Mm. And Emma asks if this is her first relationship, and she's like, "No." And she's like, "Oh, you just like give that vibe, like not in a bad way." What and the hell is that supposed to be right? <laughs> Oh, you just look like a virgin, not not in a bad way. You look like you've never been loved, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You look like you're from some sort of Soviet prison. Um, Do they have relationships there? Yeah. Isn't that illegal? Uh, And then Jordan asks how long they've been together, and B is like six weeks. And I'm like, that is five different types of crazy because yeah. the first scene being like her Sophie saying I love you is like all righty then yeah um like people can fall fast that's yeah. fine but it is fast but the thing is it doesn't feel like there is a deep connection no it feels like very um surface level yeah like she doesn't yeah there isn't yeah enough there to support the actions that have been taken no we don't we don't really learn much about their their relationship or what connects them or like how they even got together in the first place like it's all kind of shrouded in mystery and i think that's literally just because there's not a lot to it yeah but i also love that they didn't give us backstory because to Mm -hmm. do that exposition bs is like oh god yeah i makes me want to vomit yeah so this is a tight 90 yeah tight 90 i love a tight 90 Love. So Alice is annoyed that the storm is so sporadic because she's like, it's like raining and it's not raining. Like, she's like, I want it to rain so we can go fucking crazy. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, just so you know, that has weed in it. Like, not a lot, but just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this girl has downed half of the cake and she's like, oh, by by the way. Oh, by the way, there's drugs in there. But I feel like you have to, in this day and age... If, you, if you're at a party no and you see a plate cake. of brownies, yeah, like yeah. they're not, they're not Betty Crocker, that's for sure. Mm-mm. 
So we then cut to, I was in the 212. Everyone is going crazy, dancing around. We see the couples making out, except for Jordan, who is very jealous, watching all the couples. And then Jordan, like, dances over to B, and she's like, oh, did you go to college in the States? And B says, yeah, I went to Utah State. Sophie then tells David he needs to chill out because he's really coked up. Because, like, right before this, he was was making out with Emma, and he keeps, like, biting her lip, and she got really upset and, like, ran away. Yeah. And he's like, I'm on coke. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm just really sweaty, and I need to hydrate. And he starts taking shots. Um Great. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you might need to watch your girl. It looks like she's having fun with Jordan. And we see Jordan and B are dancing. And Jordan, again, keeps getting like closer and closer and closer to B in a way that is too familiar to be um, anything benign. Right. So Sophie then turns the music off and says, who wants to play bodies, bodies, bodies? What could what? that be? Oh my god! Oh my god! What? So the group sits down. The rules are explained. If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, then you're the murderer. But you have to keep it a secret. And Emma's like, oh, "This game always stresses me out." And someone's like, "Yeah, because you always end up crying." <laughs> and she's like, "It gets ugly." And Alice is like, yeah, it gets ugly because you ugly cry. (laughs) (laughs) Then Emma mentions to David that Max still isn't back. He's not responding to the texts. And David then pushes Emma off his lap and walks off. And we're like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) So many things. (laughs) So much. And Sophie says she's going to hit the lights. And if you're the murderer, you have to sneak around and kill someone by touching them on the back. And if you are killed, you have to fall down and pretend that you're dead. So David comes back in with a drink and, you know, tells Alice. (laughs) And, you know, you've seen the movie before. (laughs) David comes back in with a drink and turns to Alice and is like, do you want to, you know, get out of here and do some drugs. (laughs) Then Jordan says, when you discover a body, you have to yell, bodies, bodies, bodies. Then they'll turn on the lights and they'll try to figure out who did it. Cut to Alice and David doing coke in the kitchen. (laughs) I did love this like tiny little interlude. I'm sure it was all improvised. I know that like the the cast was given a lot of freedom to improvise, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, you know, the two of them in the kitchen. And Alice has been eating like a lollipop this whole time. And she hands it to David to like hold for her while she snorts the Coke. And he's like, did Greg touch this? And she's like, oh my God, like what is your problem with Greg? (laughs) And then um, David like eats the entire lollipop and she just goes, oh my God, David. (laughs) It was was great. I really love this just tiny little interlude. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we cut back to the living room, and they are doing this other game where you slap someone and then take a shot, and Jordan slaps B, like, cracks the freaking (sighs) sound barrier. Yeah. And then it's B's turn to slap David, but she just does, like, little baby ones. She doesn't follow through because it's psychotic. (laughs) And she doesn't want to, like, slap someone across the face. Mm -hmm. And then David is like, come on, give it to me. Like this. And then he punches (laughs) 
Greg. Jesus Christ. And everyone calls him an asshole and they like quickly move on to start the game. Yeah. So they turn off all the lights. Everybody splits up. The game has begun. B crawls around with her phone flashlight on. She can hear people just like whispering throughout the house. Mm. She then spots Alice crawling in the kitchen by her like many glow stick necklaces and bracelets. Yeah, maybe take those off. Well, it's for the film, but like, yeah, (laughs) we're really playing the game. Right. But then Alice just like runs when she sees B. B then also hides her flashlight when she sees Jordan walk by, which I thought was interesting how she didn't feel the need to hide from Alice, but she does from Jordan. Like, she already has, like, suspicions about Jordan. Right. We then get, like, a little jump scare from David as he, like, scurries up the stairs. This Mm -hmm. this game would, like, freak me the fuck out if I was playing it in a house this big. Oh, yeah, in the dark? Yeah. For sure. I'm like, I already get a little spooked when I have to turn my hallway light off and like walk down the hallway to my own room in my small apartment. I can't when be I doing tell this. you, <laughs> well, I have a bedside lamp, but like because I live in a studio, I like mm-hmm. have to shut the lights off, right? Yeah. And the lights are on the other side of the room. So I always make sure my kitchen light is on mm-hmm. so I can like shut off the lights and then I like can go over to the kitchen light and then yeah. like shut it off and just like go right into bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no monsters can get me here. <laughs> They're allergic to my bed. No one's grabbing my ankles today. <laughs> the bed is a safe zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard being a girl. So I know. it's hard being afraid <laughs> of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. That really has no gender. It's just, it's hard being a scaredy cat. (laughs) (laughs) We then hear from another room, someone yells, bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh my God. So in the living room, they find Greg's dead body. And Jordan asks who tried to take advantage of her body in the dark and goes up to B and asks if it was her. And I was like, what? Um. And then David starts off strong and nominates Emma as the killer because her strategy is just to agree with whatever everyone is saying and it works every time. Then Jordan nominates David and B mentions that Greg isn't moving. And so everyone kind of gets like thrown for a second. And Alice shakes him. He's like, babe, <laughs> babe, come on, get up. But he doesn't seem to be pretending. And he just stays still. And then Alice turns his body over and he like thuds. He's like lifeless. And she starts yelling to get him up. And then David's like, I got this. And so he taps his like nuts with a cold beer and Greg like jumps out of it. Um, And then everyone's like, oh, like, LOL. So-and-so. Right. (laughs) Then Alice nominates Jordan and says she's always really aggressive when she's the killer. And Sophie points out how high her voice gets when she lies. Mm. And Jordan keeps yelling that it's David, but he's like, that's too obvious. Like, it wouldn't be me. And Greg says the best defense is a good offense. Oh, boy. Yeah. David is like, what does that mean? And Greg says – the the best defense is a good offense. And David's like, no, but but what does it mean to you? Like, please, please elaborate. And Greg is like, okay, well, in sports, like it's a and then Sophie starts laughing and she calls David a dick. 
Mm-hmm. And David says, no, 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 this is a teaching moment. And I'm like, you're such an asshole. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. Yeah. And Greg is like, oh, oh, you're fucking with me. And David says, we're just having fun. And then all six five of Lee Pace stands up. That man is tall. I can confirm. I've seen him in real life. Oh. He stands up and like stares David down and he is taller than him. And then he just smiles and puts his arm around David and says, I think it's time to put myself to bed. And everyone's like, no, don't, you don't, don't go. And he's like, no, good night, everybody. Everybody says good night. Greg leaves. And David then turns the conversation back around to the game and is like, I just want to point out that Emma hasn't said a fucking word and she's doing that swallowing thing that she always does when she's nervous. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God, you did it. You just swallowed again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Alice. like, and then he's like, yeah, it's not attractive. And then Alice is like, oh, is that why you never have sex? Oh, and my God. Like, Yikes. And she's like, it's not a bad thing. Some people do it a lot. Some people don't. I do it a lot. (laughs) So David is pissed that Emma has been talking about their relationship to other people. And Emma's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not talking behind your back. And she just kind of like trips over her words and eventually is like, you're just always gaslighting me. And David is like, oh, my fucking God, that word is so overused. It doesn't even mean anything anymore. What's next? Are you going to call me a narcissist or a foot soldier for the white supremacy? (laughs) He then kind of like goes off on Emma and he's like, oh, it's like you read the Internet or congratulations. You have a Twitter account like you don't have any thought that wasn't preordained by someone else. Like You don't have a single original thought in your head, which is really harsh to say to anyone, but especially your freaking girlfriend. Yeah, like, don't date them. Yeah. It's not a healthy relationship. Not at all. So this clearly hurts Emma's feelings, and she starts crying. And Jordan and Alice then are like, we vote for David. And Emma says, third. And David is like, oh, come on. Like, she's an actress. Look at your quivering upper lip. Like, we didn't all see you and had a gabbler. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So Sophie also votes for David and then David like smashes some glass against the wall and storms out in anger. And Alice just goes, relationships can be really complicated. My God. (laughs) Beautiful little button on the scene. Right. So what are we doing next? Oh, we're doing the slap game again since it went so well the first time. (laughs) I'm like, is this part of bodies, bodies, bodies? That's what I'm kind of wondering if it's like every time you find the dead body, you have yeah. to do the slap shot game. I don't know. And you reset. I don't know. <laughs> you reset mentally yeah. and physically. Yeah. <laughs> so they go back to the game and there's a shot of the power going out. And the only thing we see is Alice's glow necklaces. It looks so cool. Yeah. And then everyone turns on their phone flashlights and they're like, oh, we don't have service or Wi-Fi. And Sophie thinks it was David, but obviously it was the weather. Yeah. And this, these are a group of really paranoid people. <laughs> well, it's interesting because none of them were at all worried about the danger of being in the middle of the woods during a hurricane. But it's right. only once 
the internet goes out that they are They're like, oh my God, this scary. is serious. Yeah. yeah. So Jordan goes to flip the breaker. Alice goes to get flashlights. Emma goes to the bathroom, followed by B. And the use of phone lighting is really cool, says Christina. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because we see a couple different ways. We obviously see like flashlights. We also see right. people's phone screens lighting up their faces as well. That's so interesting because as – I mean, I don't know if this has to do with me from being from the Northeast, but like if the power went out, I would mm-hmm. never use my phone as, no, as a flashlight because you're going to deplete your phone battery. Yeah. Somehow they have the strongest battery life. Right. Known to man in this movie because those things Mm -hmm. last all night with those flashlights on constantly. Yeah. Especially B. I'm like, girl, you have some sense. Like, don't do that. Yeah. But B goes downstairs looking for the bathroom. She gets shocked by David slamming up against the glass window with blood on him. (gasps) And then Sophie comes in and David slams himself again. So Sophie runs outside. She's like screaming for help. Everyone rushes over to see that David has a giant neck wound. And they're like screaming and crying. No one has service, so they can't even call 911. And Jordan runs inside to get the landline. Emma wants to move David's body inside, but Alice is like, no, didn't you watch SVU? Like it's evidence. The landline is dead as well, and Jordan grabs the keys from, um, like, Sophie, who's totally frozen. She's, like, catatonic, and she's like, we need to just get in the car and, like, get some help. So B gets everyone moving, and they all head to Sophie's car to get the fuck out of there. It's very chaotic. We're literally in the middle of a hurricane. The wind is a-blowing. The rain is a-crashing down, and David is dead. So they all pile into Sophie's car. But do you remember Chekhov's visor that was left down? I hope yeah. you did, because guess what? The car battery is dead. It's dead. That is crazy because there's just no way that the car, unless the car battery was already almost dead. Right. The visor being down for a couple of hours is not going to kill the car battery. Yeah. But I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know much about cars, but I do think it's a pretty like universal experience for anyone who has had a car growing up or like, I don't know if you if you've had your parents had a car while you were growing up that if you turned the light on in the car, your parents would be yeah. like, turn it off. The battery is going to die. So yeah. like <laughs> I always yeah, think if you turn the light so on. True. For literally five seconds, I'm like, I'm going to deplete this battery for turning this light on for four seconds. <laughs> I mean, there was a time I, – I can't remember if it was just because of this, but like when we had a Saturn like back in the day, I remember the light on the top of the car, like on the roof. Mm. Not on the roof, like the inside. You know what I mean? Like the ceiling, yeah. whatever. That was left on overnight and then mm. I think the battery died. But like yeah. just from – a couple of hours like no yeah but i digress <laughs> they're fucked yeah the the battery is dead max took the other car so and he picked everyone up uh, yeah you gotta have more than one vehicle in a hurricane but they're stuck there you would think that his family would have cars yeah well i guess 
I mean, I don't know if this is supposed to be like his family's full time home or this is like it their vacation seem home. Like it. Yeah, I think it's their vacation home because it's so remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess they wouldn't keep a ton of vehicles there. But yeah, you would think that there would be at least one other car. I don't know. It's giving um, getting lost upstate. Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy <laughs> keychain on the ground. You we were, were always, always skipping, skipping town. town. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking on the drive down, any time now he's going to say it's love. You never, never called, called it what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so we go inside. Alice is cleaning the blood off of Emma's face because she was like obviously leaning over David's body mm. while they were outside Ugh. what a trauma absolutely traumatic jordan has gone off to like check the generator sophie is crying and just is like what the fuck was david doing out in that storm then the doorknob starts rattling it's jordan so she comes in and she shows them what she found outside the sword <gasps> and it's got blood on it my god so, Alice asks if the security system still works if the power is out, and Sophie says, yeah, David's dad explained it to us once, and, like, nobody can get in without a code. And Alice says, well, Max has the code. Couldn't he have come back after last night? And Sophie's like, okay, what the fuck happened last night? And this is when we finally get the reveal of the Max situation. Mm-hmm. Alice says that they were all doing shrooms, and then Max got really high and told everybody that he was in love with Emma, which oh, David God. which David thought was really beautiful in the moment, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not today. Um, so that is also probably where the, the punch happened. Max yeah. and David got into some sort of altercation, and Jordan says, that doesn't matter. Besides, where is Greg? You may have forgotten Greg was in this little story. Mm-hmm. So Alice says he's probably sleeping, but Jordan says it seems strange that he hasn't woken up yet. Maybe we should go and uh, check on him. So Alice is like, no. But Jordan <laughs> pulls a knife out of the drawer because she's trying to stay safe. And um, <laughs> Alice is like, really? Because it looks like you're grabbing a fucking meat cleaver to go look for my boyfriend. And Alice and Jordan get into it, and then Jordan says she's just trying to protect herself, and Alice says not to escalate the situation, and is like, you're the only one holding a knife. So Jordan asks Alice how long she's known Greg, and Alice is like, long. She's like, long. (laughs) Yeah, long. And Sophie and B like, move around the kitchen to stand by Jordan, And she's like, I don't know exactly how long, like two weeks. And they start asking her what she knows about Greg. Like, what's his middle name? Where is he from? Like, all these normal ass questions. And she's like, I don't know. Like, he's a good person. Alice says she knows a lot. Their first date was at a bar. He drank a medium amount. He likes nature. He's a Libra moon. That says a lot. And Alice then starts calling for Greg to come to the kitchen and Jordan tries to get her to shut up and covers her mouth. And she's like, you're silencing me. (laughs) Were you silent or were you silenced? silenced. (laughs) And that's when they notice Emma is gone. Yeah. I like the way that this this scene is shot, especially when we see 
doubt starting to be cast on Alice and on Greg is when we see B and right. Sophie move around to Jordan's side and it becomes like an interrogation of mm-hmm. sorts. And then we see, you know, obviously Alice's yes. anxiety start to ramp up. She's like, he likes nature. He's a Libra moon. That says a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought I thought it was really well done. And like Rachel's delivery was impeccable. Yeah. The time comes to look for Emma, who has been missing for quite some time. The girls go around the house looking for her. And Alice suggests maybe Emma did it. You know, she was really pissed at David. But they all say there's no way. Like, she was devastated. She was practically having a panic attack. And Alice is like, yeah, but she's an actress. Remember Hedda Gabler? <laughs> oh, my God. Remember Hedda Gabler? She's a murderer. Yeah. Obviously, she's a goddamn liar. <laughs> so they go to Alice's room, but Greg isn't there. Mm. So they ask Sophie if there are any guns in the house. and <laughs> This is such a dumb response. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she's like, no, no, there's no guns here. You know, David's dad is a dick, but his politics check out. (laughs) He does not support the NRA, guys. Come on. Obviously, just because he's wealthy doesn't mean he's awful. Guess again. (laughs) So (laughs) Sophie then sees some lines of coke on the dresser. And Jordan unrolls Greg's bag and finds a knife, some survival stuff, (gasps) the house like circled on the map. Which I'm like, this is all very normal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Why would he circle the house on a map if he's there? Like you brought him to the house. What what would why would he be circling? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, do you that think he's means? like targeted this house? I'm like, no, it's because there's a hurricane and you probably need a paper map in case something like, I don't know, the power goes out. <laughs> the <laughs> electricity goes out. But the they're so paranoid and narcissistic that they're like, well, obviously he's planned mm-hmm. this whole thing to murder us. Of course. But it's also again a testament to the fact that he is like a full grown adult. So of course he would think to pack like survival tools. When there's a hurricane, whereas all they got was champagne and flashlights, and they're like, that's enough. (laughs) So they're like, okay, we need to find Emma before he does. They then go to check Jordan's room next. And while in there, B like picks up one of Jordan's bras, which is kind of a weird thing to do. And Jordan is even like, yeah, I don't think he's hiding in my bra. They then find Emma under the covers. And she's obviously in shock by what's happened. And Alice offers her a Xanax. They both take one. Do you want some Xanax maybe? She's like, yeah, Yeah. give give me a Xanax. (laughs) So they then tell Emma that they're looking for Greg. And Emma's like, what are you talking about? Like, where's Max? And Alice once again suggests that maybe Max did it. He was really mad at David. And Jordan says Max would never. They need to go find Greg. Like, Jordan is dead set on greg being the killer yes so they make their way downstairs and see that greg is laying down in the dark in the indoor basketball court with his light therapy mask on which alice tells us is for his seasonal depression i gotta get me one of those (laughs) i'm like where can i buy it yeah so they go in and like greg wakes up very suddenly 
And it's it's all very jarring, like the way he jolts mm-hmm. up and they're like, ah. Um, and he tells them he couldn't sleep. So he came down here to like do his exercises. And he asks if they're still playing werewolf. And he gets up and just starts like howling and chasing them around the room. And I'm like, read the room, Greg. He's like, tee Read the room. And everyone's like, this is a 6'5", large, muscular man chasing after me. <laughs> it's a killer. There's a killer on the loose. <sighs> and then he notices Jordan has his go bag. And he's like... They're like, why do you have this? And he's like, for the hurricane. And Jordan's like, you circle the house on a map. And Greg is like, what's going on? (laughs) So they tell him that David is dead. His body is outside. And Greg is just like, oh, like he's surprised. And Emma starts crying and she's like, why did you kill my boyfriend? And he's like. Unbelievable. He's like, no, like David killed me, right? And Jordan's like. This isn't a joke. David is dead. Someone slit his throat. Because obviously he thinks they're talking about the game. Right. Because it's not, you know, super within the realm of reality that David's throat has been slit and he's outside. Mm -hmm. So Greg thinks that they're fucking with him and he starts laughing and then he knocks the knife out of Sophie's hand and is like, okay, let's everybody take a deep breath. Alice what the fuck is going on? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, everyone put your weapons down. He like yells at them to put their weapons down. They eventually all agree to put the weapons down at the same time. And as soon as they drop the knives, Jordan, the hubris on this one, this teeny tiny woman decides to try and tackle him. But he, of course, like very immediately shoves her off and she like falls down. And he's like, oh, are you okay? Because obviously he's not trying to hurt her, but like she's tried to attack him. Right. Emma then jumps on Greg and he manages to shove her off pretty easily too. So Sophie and Greg then both lunge for the knife at the same time. But Greg gets to it first. And then B hits Greg on the back of the head with a kettlebell. And it makes just a bone-chilling, like, thud sound. Yeah. And his head starts bleeding. He falls to the ground. We then get, as we often see in horror movies, like when someone's killed and then they come back for one last, like, ah! He does, like, one more reach to try and, like, grab onto Sophie. And then B hits him again, killing Greg. So now we have two dead bodies. The men died first. Interesting. Yes. Leave it to you, the woman, to fix the problem. (laughs) (laughs) So Alice sits by Greg's body and says, this isn't right. He didn't do it. And Jordan is like, how do you know? And Alice is like, I know. (laughs) (sighs) All right. And Jordan says on paper, he is the most likely to commit an act of violence. He was in the military he was he's a vet and Alice is like he was a veterinarian a veterinarian's <laughs> assistant and they're like why the fuck would you call him G.I. Joe and Alice is like have you seen him <laughs> and Jordan oh is like God. either way out of all of us he's the biggest unknown cut to be who like throws up on herself right and Sophie is like very like cold in this moment she's like 
go change your shirt. And B leaves to go change. Emma storms out because she wants to leave and she's followed by Jordan and Alice. And Sophie makes a beeline for Alice's room and snorts a line of coke. So she is not sober anymore. Yeah. So we then go into the kitchen and Alice says it could have been any of them, you know, that killed David. They all split up when the power went out or it could have been Max. And Alice is really the only person who's like actually trying to figure out, I feel like, what's going on. Like she's considering all the options, whereas like Jordan is kind of like, okay, I've settled on Greg. It's Greg. But Alice is like, it could be this, could be that. She's seeing people's motives. And I think it's probably because she's a podcast girly and I would not be surprised if she listens to a decent amount of true crime. Right. So Emma says that just because Max is in love with her doesn't mean that he would kill David. And Sophie kind of like explodes and she like snaps at Emma, says this isn't about you and Max. Everyone's kind of like, what's up? And she's like, I'm upset because somebody just killed my best friend. And Jordan clocks like immediately that something is off with Sophie and asks Sophie, did you use? Like she clearly knows Sophie very well Mm. that she can instantly pick up on when she's on something. Yeah, like she has that flip switched and she's like turn it seems like when Sophie gets high, she turns into like a raging, horrible person. Yeah. Like a pretty cruel person. Right. So Emma says she can't believe that Sophie is making this about her. Like she's sad too. She's scared too. And she loved David so much. And Sophie says didn't seem like it. it seemed like you loved having a boyfriend and feeling comfortable but you did not love david you didn't even like him and you stayed three years longer than you should have because you're a coward my god yeah so emma says she's not a coward but nobody backs her up on that and she calls sophie toxic and says that when she fell off the grid david was relieved because he didn't have to deal with her anymore And then Sophie says she wishes the killer chopped her head off instead, you spineless piece of shit. So that's crazy. And to me, it kind of like it kind of mimics mimics like the way that Gen Z will like talk to each other online where like we'll see these really just like vile, full of vitriol comments that like people feel really comfortable making on the internet. Mm -hmm. So it's like very jarring to then see those like spoken aloud because obviously people don't like think about actually saying those things. It's so much easier to type it. But yeah, it it did kind of remind me of just like that way that this generation can be like extremely cutting and cruel to each other. Definitely. And the fact that as they're supposed to be close Mm -hmm. friends, but it seems like everyone is – Like, they're not banding together because of this traumatic thing that's happened. They're, like, splitting further and further apart. Like, they're so – they think everyone's against them. Mm -hmm. And they're also very cutting towards each other. Like, there's not camaraderie here. No. It it really speaks to the the very, like, individualistic culture that is just, like, so prevalent today. Yeah. So after this comment, Emma walks away and Alice just goes – 
Where the fuck is B? Meanwhile, <coughs> sorry, this is a new pod. Um, <laughs> so B is upstairs. I, I assume it's upstairs. Changing yeah. her shirt, picking out a sweater from whose closet we have no idea, and washes the blood off her hands and her face, traumatized. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sophie starts searching through all these games. There's like Monopoly and like um, beer pong balls and all this stuff. And she finds like a blue one and opens it up. It's a bag of pills inside. And then she runs into Emma in the hallway and apologizes and hugs her. And she's like, I'm so fucked up right now. And then Emma kisses Sophie. Yeah. And she's like, isn't that what you wanted? And Sophie is like, what? You always think someone's in love with you. It's so crazy. And then Emma's like, I'm sorry. And Sophie offers her this little bag of pills, which Emma takes and like hurriedly walks away. It's like a weird interaction. Very weird. Even like before the kiss happens, like I think Emma's just so much in shock. Yeah. That like the way she walks up to her, it's very like eerie, uncanny valley. I'm like, there's something behind those eyes that's Mm -hmm. like can't even like really place what it is. Right. I'm almost like there's something about this scene that feels like it didn't happen. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's supposed to kind of feel like the way that one feels when they're on drugs where everything is just kind of like really fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah. Like almost like a dreamlike fugue state. Mm -hmm. A fugue state. Yeah. So meanwhile, Alice is looking around for B. B is in the hallway when Jordan comes upstairs looking for Sophie and B hides behind a wall so that Jordan doesn't see her again. Like B has been like suspicious of Jordan for a while now. Yeah. And Alice then starts, like, running down a hallway because she gets really freaked out looking around in the dark for B when she suddenly trips. And what she lands on is Emma's dead body. Oh, my God. Emma has, like, a gaping head wound. She's at the bottom of the stairs. There's blood all over the stairs. I don't think that this is, like, a sight that you really come back from. It's really traumatic, obviously. Mm -hmm. Alice starts screaming and yelling for help. She's calling for Jordan. Jordan comes over, also in shock over Emma's dead body, and that's when B runs down the stairs that Emma just fell down. Interesting. Hmm. And she sees, you know, all the blood and Emma, and she's like, maybe she tripped. But Alice says, no, she got pushed. I told you it wasn't Greg. Oh, my God. And it is interesting to me that they all just, like, immediately accept that she was pushed. Right. B is the only one who considers that, like, maybe it was an accident. Because, Mm -hmm. as we know, Emma has been drinking and doing a lot of drugs all night. It would be quite easy for her to fall down some stairs. Yeah. But they're, like, so much in this, like, hive mind group think of, like, we are being targeted. We are being, like, there's someone coming after us. That they're like, no, obviously Mm -hmm. she was pushed. So yeah. Sophie then comes over and sees them all crouched um, over Emma's body. So the four girls 
remaining sit with their backs together in the living room. Alice turns to B and asks who the killer was in the game and says it's following the same pattern. David, Greg, Emma, and Jordan is like, no, Greg died. Then we executed David. But in real life, David died. And and then Alice says it's still the same, like the same three people from the conversation. Why would someone leave Emma there unless they wanted them to find her because they're playing a sick game? And she's like, who was the killer? I wasn't the killer. And Jordan says she's coked out. And Alice says they're all coked out. But B says she's not. And Jordan asks if she's wearing makeup. And B touches her clearly pink lips and... Jordan is like, and whose sweater are you wearing? And I'm like, you told her to go change her shirt. What do you mean? But it is also, yeah, that's kind of crazy. The makeup is weird. Yeah. And B's like, I found it upstairs. And Alice then asks Sophie how long she's known B. And Sophie tells her to stop. And Alice asks B who she is. Like, she just showed up here. And B asks what she's talking about. And Alice says her voice is trembling. And Jordan says, I Googled you. There was no record of you attending Utah State. And B is like, I can explain. And Jordan points out that she was the one who discovered David's body. And she could have tampered with the generator, just like she tampered with Sophie's car. And they watched her murder Greg. Tamper with Sophie's car is a pretty extreme way of putting it. She left the visor down. (laughs) Mm-hmm. She's not tinkering around with tools on the generator. Right. B tells them to calm down. They can just talk about this. But Alice has her mind made up and she's like, I can't even look at you. B tries to go to Sophie, but Jordan pushes her away. And Alice then pushes B and she's like, I don't want you in this room. Get out. And then Alice grabs B. Jordan opens the door and they shove her out into the storm, which is raging. Mm-hmm. And Sophie just stands there and watches. And I think um, B even says, like, Sophie, like, yeah. help me. And she's just standing there, like, looking super cruel. Like, it doesn't even look sh- like she's concerned about this happening. She's just, mm-hmm. like, a totally um, a passive, like, bystander to this. Yeah. Who I'm curious when when we watched it for the first time, who did you suspect as the killer? I think I always suspected Jordan mm-hmm. just because she seems to have like this ruthlessness to her. Yeah. And she's she's always been suspicious like when she was like dancing with B and the way she's been acting, it was just like always suspicious to me. Yeah, I suspected Jordan. I also, I remember watching it for the first time in this moment. I was suspicious of Sophie because she doesn't do anything. Yeah. She doesn't really say much either, like, while they're going in on B and are like, it was you, it was you. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe she wants, you know, the suspicions to be on someone else, not on her. Because, like, why would you not stand up for your girlfriend who you supposedly love? Right, right. But... Yeah. The only person that I never suspected was Alice, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I didn't really suspect Emma yeah. either. But yeah, that's true. I didn't really suspect her. But yeah, just because she's so like quiet and just yeah. like 
but clearly sometimes it's the quiet ones that's true that's yeah. true but yeah things are really ramping up in the mansion mm-hmm. let's see which girl has to go home and which <laughs> has a chance to find her forever love <laughs> in my hands i have one photo the girl whose photo <laughs> i do not have must go home pack her bags <laughs> So, yeah, B is now locked out in this raging fucking hurricane. She is running through the rain trying to, like, open all the other doors, but the girls lock them before she can get back in. B then goes back up the driveway to Sophie's car, but it's locked. But, oh, my God, I hope you didn't forget about Chekhov's car window because it's open a crack. And Mm -hmm. she is able to fucking shimmy that thing down far enough to unlock the door. So she goes into the car for safety and she finds like an almost empty bag of Cheetos and eats the remainder before she takes off the sweater and pulls a clean hoodie out of her duffel bag. And while she's in the back seat, what does she find? Interesting. A yellow, orangey piece of cloth. What could it be? Oh, it's it's lacy underwear. And what does it match? Oh, my gosh. It matches Jordan's bra. Chekhov's what? bra that was picked up earlier. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't notice this the first time I saw I think that when we had talked about it after watching the movie, that one of you guys mentioned it. But, like, it's so, like, random that she finds this. Yeah. And she actually, like, sniffs the she underwear. Because she's, like – are these used like a fresh pair of underwear like someone packed or yeah nah i will say impressive to have a matching set i don't own any matching sets whatsoever no mm. no the closest <laughs> thing would be like i have a black bra and i have black underwear and a black pair of underwear <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah intriguing so inside the house They hear a noise, and Jordan tells Sophie to stay here while she goes to investigate. It's B trying to pry the garage doors open. B then goes over to a window where she sees inside. Jordan has found a gun. (gasps) So I guess his politics don't check out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Then B goes around the house and finds a doggy door and crawls through to get back into the house. And that's when she finds a hammer to arm herself with and she picks it up. I forgot that this doggy door seed was also planted earlier. So many seeds were planted that are coming to fruition. But it's when she's... Oh, I don't even remember. She's looking for the bathroom. And because I remember they showed like a shot of the doggy door and the dog bed. And I was Mm. like, why are they showing us this? Like, this is so random. And initially I was like, is there like a dog around? Like, just a dog? get killed or something but no it's to plant the seed for this yeah so we go inside b goes back to the living room and she tells the girls that jordan has a gun in her pocket and tells sophie to get away from her so jordan then tries to like grab sophie's hand but sophie like recoils and pulls it away and jordan insists that she doesn't have a gun and b tells her then empty your pockets And so Jordan empties her pockets to show just that she has a phone and the piece of paper showing that she was the killer. Mm. So they're like, oh, my God, it was you. You're the killer. And Jordan's like, yeah, in the game. (laughs) 
But Jordan has been caught lying, so it's hard to trust her. Right. At this point, I was like, oh, she's the killer in the game. She's the killer in real life. Yeah. So she then just keeps asking B how she got in, and B says, Jordan killed David. And Jordan asks why she would kill David or Emma. They're her best friends. And B says that when she found David's body, Jordan was the last person to get there. And where was she when Emma died? Hmm. And then she saw her getting the gun. Jordan gets really upset and says that B is lying through her teeth. She lied to Sophie about everything. She's a fucking liar. Alice says she did lie to Sophie and B says that she did go to Utah State for one semester, but her mom was having a hard time, so she had to go home to take care of her. And she did work at Game Hut, but they shut down her location a week after she met Sophie. And she's been applying for new jobs, but Sophie is like, so when I dropped you off at the mall, where were you? And she's like, just hanging out at the food court. Like, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I was embarrassed. This is really, like, hard to admit to in front of, like, people. You've just – it's just so – it's very clear that there's a very big difference between the way that Sophie has lived her life and B has lived her life. Mm -hmm. And And clearly none of these people have jobs. Right. Like that they would need to to produce an income. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just super uncomfortable because they – it's also like the thing about having to drop out, like take care of her mom. And, and it's also Sophie's attitude in this scene where she's like – as soon as B is like, oh, Jordan has a gun, she's like, empty your pockets, like – like gets away from Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you have no loyalty no. to anyone. No. So B B says her mom has borderline and that's why she like needed to take care of her. And Alice is like, I'm so sorry. Mental health is a really serious issue. Then B drops the hammer and Alice is like, I've never told anyone, but I have body dysmorphia. <laughs> and Jordan yells and she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So B says she wanted to tell Sophie, but she just really wanted her to like her. And I'm like, why? She's sad. I know. So Sophie hugs B and Jordan rolls her eyes and pulls out the gun. Well, 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 look who was fucking lying about not having a gun. She then calls bullshit and says that B's mom having borderline is a big red flag. And Alice says, it's a serious issue. And Sophie asks where the fuck she got a gun. And Jordan says, rich people always have guns. And Sophie says, my parents are rich and they don't have guns. Doubtful. (laughs) Yeah. And Alice says, I mean, we're all rich, but... You and David are, like, rich, rich. Jordan then tells Sophie that they didn't even want to invite her, and she didn't respond in the group chat, and then she just shows up with this psychopath, (laughs) and then Sophie goes, don't call her a psychopath, that's so ableist. And we have a lot of lines like this in this scene in particular that, um, I mean, are obviously very emblematic of Gen Z and the way that they talk, but the way that they're delivered, it's like they're – they're memorized 
things that they have to say like at any point like Ment- mental health is a serious issue like don't say that that's so ableist like it's not like they actually believe these things they're just it things feels disingenuous yeah they're just things they're saying by rote right 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 like you're gaslighting me yeah exactly and and like there's also a mur- like murders are happening right yeah. and they're getting into this conversation about like social politics mm-hmm. and their experiences with one another yeah like because what? they they don't like they don't care about these actual issues. They're they're social currency um, phrases for them to use to like position themselves as better than the other. So I think that like the delivery is really 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 important for those lines because if they're delivered mm-hmm. the wrong way, this entire scene falls the fuck apart. The way that we see so many other movies that try to like use gen z language or like have gen z characters where you can just tell that like everyone in the room who wrote this is so out of touch right i think that these actors all like bring a lot to these lines that completely save the screenplay from being just like another horrible you know he's all that uh kind of (laughs) mishmash of this yeah. is for the kids, you know? But Alice does agree with Jordan that Sophie didn't reply in the chat. And David actually <laughs> told Alice that Sophie begged him to talk to her parents to get them to unlock her trust again. And that's why she's actually here. And that did happen in the beginning when she first arrived. She was like, mm-hmm. um, have you talked to my parents lately? Yep. Yep. Then Sophie asks if he told her that while they were railing lines in front of her addict friend who they're supposedly all so worried about. And then Alice says they are worried. But Sophie's like, no. So when the black girl has a coke habit, it's a problem. But when everyone else does it, including her white male best friend, it's fine. And (laughs) Alice says she she understands she's an ally she totally gets how it looks that way and jordan tells sophie that she's like obsessed with playing the victim and she's had to ride in the ambulance with her three times when she overdosed and i'm like that is probably the bigger issue here like yeah you're both doing coke but like you clearly have had a problem Mm -hmm. and yeah, but it's just like that's not you're like boiling it down to a racial issue when there's like so much more context besides that in this situation. Like they all know each other really well. So, yeah, it was also um, the Alice's response is like obviously like <laughs> hilarious because it's fucking insane. Yeah. And I'm an ally. <laughs> I totally get how it looks that way. And then when she like runs out of whatever her predetermined script that she's supposed to say in that moment, she goes, um, Jordan, like, let me look to the (laughs) other black person in the room and have them take over. (laughs) Yeah. Sophie says she needed help and she got it. But Jordan is like, yeah, because we had to narc on you to your dad so he could cut you off and send you to rehab, kicking and screaming. And then you disappeared because that's what you do. Like when you fucked off to write your memoirs and she's like, it's creative nonfiction, which is a valid response to life in an attention economy. 
<laughs> I'm like, your therapist told you that and you memorized it right. and you're saying it right now. <laughs> yeah, you had to internalize what your therapist said that is like for you to suss out and not for you to use as like, here's my response to that question. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan says she writes little essays about her mommy's vodka and her pussy and her feelings, and they're all drowning in her feelings. And she goes, feelings are facts. (laughs) And Jordan goes, no, they're not. Facts are facts. (laughs) So Alice then asks why Sophie ghosted them. And Sophie says, because you trigger me. And you enable me, again, just like throwing out every possible buzzword that she can think of. Mm -hmm. And Jordan asks if B knows that Sophie begged her to stop at her apartment on the way up here. And she did. And they fucked in her car. She does know. Yeah. So Sophie tells B that Jordan is lying. And Jordan just goes, check her texts. So Sophie tells Jordan that she is devoid of empathy, she has no feelings, and she could never be with her because she schedules everything in her Google calendar, including sex, because she has no soul. So Jordan then tells Sophie that she's emotionally abusive and she had to go to therapy for PTSD. And she's like, you can ask Alice. And Alice says she did for a long time. Alice. (laughs) Alice is definitely my favorite character in the movie, I gotta say. She's so funny. Uh, Agreed. So Sophie then starts laughing and is like, you hate Alice. You despise her. You complain constantly about how vapid and annoying she is. And honestly, it's pitiful how you always make fun of her podcast. Just let her have the stupid podcast. Instead, you hate listen to it. And you made us swear on our lives not to tell. And Alice is like, what? And Jordan is like, I like your podcast, Alice. (laughs) And B just goes, what's your podcast about? And Alice says, hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend. And (laughs) And Jordan like audibly groans. She's like, and Alice (laughs) is like, did you just groan? And we get this amazing line from Rachel Sennett, which just, it hurt. Takes my breath away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's breathtaking. There's no other word for it. She says, first of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests, you have to do a Google calendar, and you and you build a following. It takes a long fucking time, and I've been working on it for a while, okay? <laughs> and when I tell you, she's right. You know what? It does take a lot of work. You do- and it takes a long time to build a following. It does, and we do have a Google calendar, and we do have to organize <laughs> guests. It's difficult. And it's so hard. <laughs> And it takes up a lot of time, okay? (laughs) I'm fucking tired. I'm Uh, tired. The way that I spend probably like the same amount of time on the actual podcast as I do on marketing for the podcast, that should tell you how hard it is. (laughs) But yeah, incredible line. So funny. Mm -hmm. 
And Alice starts yelling at Jordan that nobody likes her. And when she's drunk and cries to her that she's afraid nobody likes her because she's mean and a bitch and she sucks. Well, you do. You do fucking suck. That's a nightmare. And she only hangs out with her. Yeah. <laughs> and she only hangs out with her out of pity and the suffocating weight of their shared history. And that is all. Damn. And she's just so in love with her rags to riches narrative. Like she's the only person in the world who didn't come from money. You know what? Your parents are upper middle class. <laughs> and Jordan goes, no, they're not. And she's like, yes, they are. They teach at a university. And she just goes, it's public. <laughs> Honestly, this is the most like cutting burn in the whole movie is your parents are upper middle class. <laughs> and she's just like, no, no they're not. They are not. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, so good. Uh, oh, yes. 100%. And Alice says, no wonder Sophie Odeed, who could date a fucking spreadsheet with a superiority complex. And then Jordan shoots Alice in the leg. Oh my God. In the leg. And Alice is like, what the fuck? You just shot me. You're the murderer. I knew it. You're such a fucking bitch. And Jordan like tears up and she's like, I didn't murder anyone. And Sophie's like, okay, put the gun down. And Alice is like, I've never been shot before. It really fucking hurts. <laughs> it's like wild how like, she's like, you just shot me. And she's like, no, I didn't. She's like, yes, you just shot me in the fucking leg. She's like, no, I didn't. Everyone <laughs> saw you shoot her. No one else had a gun in the room. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jordan is pointing the gun and at Alice, and she's like, you made me do it. Why did you make me do it? And Alice is like, you fucking shot me with a gun. And she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> she literally has the gun, like, pointed at Alice's chest. So... Alice keeps trying to reach for the gun and, like, grab it. And, like, they're struggling. We have this really funny line where she's like, don't hit me. You already shot me. <laughs> so the girls, like, fall onto the couch. They're fighting over the gun while B and Sophie try and pull them apart and, like, get the gun out of Jordan's hand. Alice is like, ow, you're on my leg that just got fucking shot. They're struggling on the ground, like kind of all on top of each other. But Alice is at the bottom. It's like Alice, mm -hmm. Jordan, Sophie, B stacked up on top of each other when all of a sudden the gun goes off. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Terrifying, horrifying. You do not want to be in that dog pile. So you're like, who the fuck got shot? They all like slowly get off of each other one by one. And we see that Alice got shot in the throat. So, goodbye, Alice. Uh, they look at her dead body and Jordan and Sophie look at each other and Jordan just says, I didn't do it. And I'm like, you did. <laughs> Although, like, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know, like, whose hand Who the gun the was gun, in. Yeah. But... Jordan then grabs the gun anyways, and she points it at Sophie and B, and she's like, I didn't do it. Like, Sophie keeps moving, like, closer and closer to her to be like, put the gun down, put the gun down. But Jordan is like, stop moving, like, stay away, stop moving, stop moving. And Jordan is, like, backing away. 
as like they literally are going up the stairs at this point like jordan is walking backwards up the stairs and it's like sophie stop moving like get away get away and sophie's like put the gun down Mm -hmm. when suddenly b sneaks up behind and tries to grab the gun as they're like struggling for the gun jordan shoots it a couple times at the ceiling they're struggling struggling jordan gets b in a headlock and starts strangling her but then b gets a a surge of superhuman strength and she just throws jordan over the railing down to the ground floor so jordan lands on that table in the foyer with all of the flashlights and batteries and shit mm-hmm. like that and she's lying down and she points the gun at them and with her last dying breath she says to be check her texts <laughs> Jordan then starts shooting. So B and Sophie like run down like a back staircase and hide in what I think is like a sauna or a closet. I don't really know. Some, They're in some small wooden room. <sighs> so we're in this closet. The tension is insane. Mm-hmm. B asks Sophie if she kills Emma and Sophie says no. And Sophie asks the same and B says no. And B tells Sophie it's okay. If she did it, she just wants to know. And Sophie asks B if she killed David, and B says no. And she only killed Greg to protect Sophie. Then B asks Sophie if what Jordan said was true, and Sophie says no. I would never. I love you. And Sophie asks B if she loves her, and she reaches out to touch B's face, but she recoils. <gasps> And B tells her that she's frightening her. And Sophie tries to touch her again, and B runs out. And Sophie tries following after B, saying that they have to stay together, but B hides behind some furniture from Sophie. And it's just very, very chaotic. Like she hides, she like hides her flashlight, literally like the classic, like put your hand over your mouth so they can't hear you breathing. Mm-hmm. And Sophie looks around for her. And tells B that she loves her and they have to stay together. And Sophie goes into another room looking for B and B jets off in the other direction to go down the hallway. Yeah. I mean, this is also like a pretty significant moment because up until this point, like B's trust and faith in Sophie has never wavered at all. Right. But now now that she's suspicious of Sophie cheating on her. She, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. a, okay, well, then, like, what else could she lie about? Maybe she's the murderer, too. Definitely. So B goes up the stairs. She passes by Emma's body and goes back into the living room. It's fully, like, daylight at this point. It's the morning. So she then sees Alice's and Jordan's dead bodies before she goes back out to the pool. And we see David's dead body. Suddenly. Sophie then hugs B from behind, and we see that Sophie is holding the gun. My God. And B says to Sophie, I've been looking for you everywhere, which is a lie. Yeah. Like, you ran out. Yeah, you ran away from her. You've not been looking for her. They hug, and Sophie confesses to B that she did coke, and she gave Emma those pills, and Emma tripped and fell. It was her fault. So it was actually an accident. Emma was not murdered. Yeah. 
And Sophie cries and says she didn't say anything because she didn't think anyone would believe her, which is true. Nobody would have believed her. And while they're hugging, B pulls the gun out of Sophie's hand and points it at her and asks to see Sophie's phone to see the texts. And I'm just like, what? This is how you're using the gun? Mm-hmm. And Sophie's like, no. But B says she needs to see them. And Sophie pulls out her phone and B reaches for it. And then she throws it in the mud and B <gasps> goes after it. Sophie jumps on top of her and they struggle in the mud before dropping the gun and then falling into the pool. And they go up to the surface, climb out, and B grabs the phone. But Sophie and then B realize it's not her phone. It's David's. <gasps> yeah. So B gets up, goes over to David's dead body, opens oh his eyes, God. which I'm like, you did that way too easily. Yeah, absolutely. And uses his face ID to unlock it. And then goes back over to the mud and looks at the phone and they watch David's last moments. He was filming a TikTok to board in the house. And I'm in the house board. Yeah. Okay. And we see him sabering a bottle of champagne with the sword. And then he like twirls it around. He tries sabering it again. Like he can't saber the champagne. He doesn't know how to saber the champagne. Yeah. And he tries to like angle it the other way towards him. My God. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And he slits his own throat. It was an accident. Nobody killed him. Nobody was out to get anybody. <laughs> no one gave a shit. No one cared enough to kill him. Okay. <laughs> and Max, played by Connor O'Malley, shows up at this very moment to see David's dead body and the girls in the mud. And he asks what happened. And the girls sit there in shock as the pool fountains turn back on. And we hear like, boop, 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 boop. As B has a bunch of texts that are now coming through. And she just says, I have reception. <laughs> the end. Wow. Yeah, certainly not a twist that I saw coming on my first not viewing. Not at all. But as soon as like that TikTok, TikTok started playing, I was like, no, you're kidding. You're kidding. It's so good. Yeah. The, the twist really got me the first time I saw it. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But yeah, the movie was just so creatively crafted. Mm -hmm. I, I really like thought it was incredibly well done. It's a tight 90. Mm-hmm. But there's so much, like, we get so much out of their, like, social dynamic. We understand that they're all incredibly narcissistic. Like, yeah. for, to even begin the entire, like, meat of the plot with, like, someone killed him. Yeah. There's a killer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's really, um, it's a really smart way of kind of looking at the the way especially on the internet there can be this kind of like mob mentality hive mind Absolutely. group think where people will turn on each other or they'll target one person um yeah. 
also, of course, these people, like you said, are incredibly narcissistic and assume that, like, everyone's out to get them. We see them, Mm -hmm. like, these characters feel very real, which is why I think a lot of the dialogue works because while it is a satire and it's, of course, like, critiquing elements of this generation, it doesn't feel like I'm watching, like, an SNL scout that was, like, written by people in their 50s, you know? Right. It's sold very well. And it's interesting also because, like, it's it satirizes Gen Z, but it's also, like, marketed towards them, which I feel like normally isn't the case. Yeah, that is really interesting because even though there's a lot of commentary making fun of them, mm-hmm. it is also something that you can look at and be like, oh, maybe that doesn't sound very genuine when I say it. Or, like, man maybe I need to like work on my empathy or like just, I think a lot of what they, in these moments of life or death, what they're viewing as important is like, oh, maybe that's like not as important as I think it is. Yeah, for sure. And I I like that it, it kind of takes a lot of elements of, of classic horror and flips it on his head. Like the ending, for example, Because normally in a horror movie, the way that it ends is, like, the final girl or whoever, like, they vanquish the killer and, like, there's this sort of, like, moment of peace or return to normalcy kind of thing. But in this movie, the, the, the savior, the return to normal, the moment of peace is that they are now connected to the internet again. They have reception again. And, like, that's the Mm -hmm. solace. That's the safe place whereas all of the other moments of not feeling safe and the uncertainty and the craziness begins when they lose access to the internet yeah uh <laughs> which kind of feels like an afterthought until the end and it's like oh yeah all of this happened because like they couldn't call 911 mm-hmm. they were disconnected like they didn't know what to do it's so crazy. This story is so crazy. Yeah. And it's it could actually happen. Like there's no element of like the supernatural or No, yeah. So it feels really like realistic even though this would likely never happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what really got me this watch around was the paranoia. Yeah. that everyone has and how disingenuous everyone is. They're just like they can't wait to like talk shit behind each other's backs as soon Mm. as they're out of the room. Definitely. I mean, it's no surprise that Among Us was such like a popular game for this generation because Mm -hmm. it's all about like casting suspect and doubt on your peers and your friends. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, this this movie is basically like Among Us, the movie. Yeah. But there's also – between Greg and B being like the significant others who mm, the outsiders right who don't really know like like they're like oh you've been dating for 6 weeks mm-hmm. you've known them for 2 weeks oh but they're they're ready to like bring them into the house and trust mm-hmm. them and like that's not a big deal but they don't even trust the friends that they've known for years and years yeah damn that's crazy. That's so crazy. crazy. It's so twisted. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that this movie, like I mentioned earlier, like it really falls apart without the performances. Like I think everybody was so great, really funny. Like the 
this movie feels so like fine tuned. Like the pitch is perfectly right. Mm-hmm. The tone of it, I think, like everyone just felt very in sync. Yeah. So, what would you rate Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I really like it. I think it's like a fun spooktober watch. It's not very scary. No, not really. So if you're if you're worried about the fear factor, it's on the lower end. Um, I really, really enjoy watching it. And I think it's definitely one that I'm going to keep in my like Halloween movie watching rotation. Mm-hmm. It's not like my favorite movie I've ever seen, but I really like it. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I was going to give it an 8.5. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like a new horror classic. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see like if um, I guess I don't know if she would write another movie or like. If this, I mean, A24 in general mm-hmm. tends to give a pretty, a pretty good, they, they market really well towards, I would say our age group. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if they would do something set in a similar time with like that Gen Z focus again, mm-hmm. um, because I've also seen like The Witch and they've done Midsummer and those are really different vibes. Like the witch is set like, I don't know what period, but it's like a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And Midsummer is like in another country. It's like in its own kind of world. So I don't know. I'm just excited to see their next horror film. Yeah, I think that their next one, because there's like the the X film series, which was oh, like yeah. X, Pearl, and then the new one. I think it's called like mm-hmm. Maxine, I think. Called what? Um, Maxine, maybe? Let me double check. Yeah. Maxine with three X's. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I've seen Pearl, but I haven't seen the other two. I haven't seen any, but I do want to watch it. I feel like. Yeah, it's pretty good. You don't mind watching horror films, right? No, I mean, it, de- it depends on like what they're about. I really don't like things with children. I don't think that this. Has children. I, I Pearl didn't, from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, like... you. So you've never seen haunt, Children of the Corn? Haunted <laughs> children are not my go-to <laughs> for horror, Noted. that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think, like, things with, like, children, dolls, which is why Coraline, I was like, this is a little spooky. <laughs> but, oh, no. <laughs> not, like, scary, but I just don't really like, like, haunted yeah. things that are children and children adjacent. And I don't, I don't yeah. like watching that kind of stuff. But, yeah, because X and Pearl, I guess they're like a slasher. Is that what they would be considered? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, this is a good one. I feel I feel really great about our lineup this month. We've, mm-hmm. you know, two for two great slashers. Um, excited for you guys to see what we have in store next. But if you want a yes. little more before then, you can always check out our Coraline episode on Patreon. Yeah. And you can always go to our social media. It's at Movies That Raised Us on Instagram. And you can send us an email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And with that being said, I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.